0: Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on the program, Casey Mulligan. Dr. Mulligan uh, is a professor at the University of Chicago. He, was, uh, he worked with uh, the President's Council, uh, Chief Economist for the President's Council of Economic Advisors, and uh, really one of my favorite people to talk to, uh, all things economic uh, policies. Uh, Casey, always glad to have you on the program. Real quickly, before we get started, I always like to talk about your book, because it's really one of the few books uh, about Donald Trump that isn't uh, pure um, you know, targeted, either totally anti or he can walk on water. And neither, neither of those books are very helpful. Neither of those approaches are very helpful. You, you took a, kind of a good, bad, and ugly approach which I thought, uh, you know, was was really needed. Uh, So talk about your book real quick and how we can learn more about it before we get into our topic.
1: Yeah, I wrote – I was in the the White House for a year. It was a fascinating place, uh, and most of what happened you never heard about. Um, So I decided to write it down, and there are successes in there. There are failures in there. Um, But it's really interesting, and uh, I wanted people to be able to know about it, so I, I wrote the book. Um, Trump's a very entertaining character so it makes it for fun reading a lot of history books can be boring at times but he's a fascinating guy Um, you'rehiredtrump.com you can go of course buy the book see excerpts of it and a few video clips and things like that
0: yeah very good book, very interesting, uh, very balanced, uh, I think, uh, particularly, and I like the policy uh, approaches and the look at policy uh, in a very innovative way, so make sure you check that out. Okay, uh, recently I did an interview. In fact, I'm doing an ongoing series with the Washington Post, with Washington Report, Post reporters, and uh, we recently did one about uh, the Food and Drug Administration and how there's a lot of conversation going on about separating the food from the drug part, creating two different agencies, which that just sounds like a lot more bureaucracy to me, but, you know, that's how government works. Uh, but there are certainly problems in the food and drug space. The heavy focus of that interview was the uh, problem in the uh, food space and the fact that uh, it's getting poorly regulated. They used the uh, baby uh, the baby formula example, uh, which, uh, what a tobacco. Yeah, we're, we're cutting off the biggest supplier of uh, baby formula in the united states from being able to produce it and we're not taking any plans or telling other companies to stand up to the plate and uh make more of this because we need more of this formula we're just going to let's pop it on everyone i mean it's so bizarre when i look at that uh, uh what, a, what a bureaucratic nightmare that was something uh, that uh, happened under the biden administration and then there's so many other examples but you have talked often about the drug space and, and some of the issues that are happening in that area, and a lot of public policy that is simply leading towards uh, shortages and more and more of them. So, with that, uh, why don't you go ahead and jump into it? And, 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 and again, glad to have you with us.
1: Yeah, we. I, I read about that in your newsletter. I'm glad I get the newsletter. I read about that the food side of things, um, and but there's also the drug. Side. and the FDA just released a report because there have been shortages in a number of different drugs in the past year, year and a half, um, v- various antibiotics and other pretty important drugs. And the FDA, I give them credit. To, even though they bear some responsibility, they did a report and show what, what are the cases, What when is it tends to make this happen. And one of the things they pointed out is you know, a lot of these shortages are in generics, and they kind of explain in, that you know generic companies don't have a lot of skin in the game. Their margins aren't real high. I mean, we like it for we like generics for that reason to save money, but their margins aren't real high. So w- w- when a hiccup comes, they interrupt their production. It's not a lot of loss for them, whereas there's mm-hmm. very few shortages in the brand name drugs uh, because these companies have real dollars and cents on the line. If anything gets interrupted, they're losing money. So it's one of those things where you understand where, kind of how the profit motive works to the betterment of the consumer. Um, when somebody's got a profit to earn, they they want to make sure the consumer is getting their product. Um, and if you try to squeeze profits out of the system to too much of an extent, uh, the consumer is ultimately harmed, ironically.
0: Yeah, no question about that. And uh, and and it becomes even more troubling when you think about where many of these generics are made. Um, you know, places like China.
1: Yeah, they the um one of the problems we and we dealt with this in the Trump administration, I think took some good steps. One of the problems is getting companies uh to step up and make generics in the United States especially. Um, there's such a regulatory process for a generic drug, which seems strange because generic drugs are, you know, often very old drugs. We have lots of experience. We as patients, uh, medical personnel, we know these drugs well. They're not going to be surprised by some weird side effect. Um, but nonetheless, the companies who want to get in that, um, have to go through this huge regulatory process. And then in the end of the day, not earning a lot of profit because it's generic. So there were a lot of markets where very few generics in there. And then if one of those companies has an issue and there's not other companies around uh participating, shortages can happen pretty quick.
0: Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. Did uh you know I'm I'm kinda like you, it's good when they are forthright and you're talking about what's wrong, uh they being the uh you know the FDA. Um, but when, you know, what did they have as far as solutions? I know you've got a lot of, uh, novel ideas that I think are based on sound free market economics, but were they talking about solutions?
1: Um, you know, their solution always is more money for their agency. Um, and I mean, you can kind of understand it because we, we would like them to work better to getting companies approved, uh, we wouldn't to have the FDA processes blowing down the entry in companies and preventing the entry of companies, uh, to getting in the market. is harmful. And the FDA is admitting that. Now, of course, their solution is we'll just give us more money. We'll hire more people. We'll make these approvals go faster. And this is kind of the tug of war that they've been having with Congress for several decades now. Uh, Congress has said, FDA, you need to speed up. You need to be more customer friendly. And they say, sure, give us more money in the budget. So, uh, We'll see we'll probably play play that uh song one more verse like that,
0: yeah, that makes perfect sense and then when you look at it, because again, you've watched this very closely, and we've had some interesting uh conversations about this, what comes to your mind when it comes to addressing this? I think one
1: thing would be pretty easy would be to uh accept companies that have been approved say in, in European countries. for for being a producer of a drug, to let them be approved to sell it in the United States. Um, And and vice versa, the Europeans could do the same for us. Um, Instead of making every company go through a regulatory process in every country. Um, Mm -hmm. The patients are pretty similar across the countries, And of course the chemicals identical. So there shouldn't be all this duplicative regulation around that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of that. No one, you know, it's funny when you hear uh, an FDA, uh, FDA spokesperson say, "No one regulates place uh, medicine like the United States," and that's supposed to be positive. <laughs> but the reality is, we have figured out how to make it make it so extraordinarily expensive and long uh, at the expense of uh, human life. You know, I I, I just think about COVID, which we've had many conversations about COVID. You were there when these decisions were being made when it came to COVID. If we had taken a conventional approach, if we certainly had taken a Biden or Hillary approach, uh, we'd be importing our our COVID meds from somewhere else where I don't know. But, uh, I mean, that's just the reality Based on their uh, bureaucratic preference, because they both worked in government forever, Biden. Reminder: Biden was in the U.S. Senate when Richard Nixon was President of the United States. Just a just a reminder, um, you know, and and just the, the, just the inclination towards government rather than innovation.
1: Right, and the government is especially bad at dealing with new new things. They're okay at trying to duplicate what they did yesterday. But trying new things is, is a lot bigger challenge. And that's where the private sector is and the freedom, having freedom for our private sector actors is so essential. A lot of people in the private sector can mess it up, but the beauty of the private sector is the guy who figures it out, uh, has got a profit waiting for him. And that tends to sort out the successes from the failures. On government, unfortunately, <laughs> well, often we have a failure. We have to double down on the failure.
0: Yeah, and and really you're talking about the innovation of our whole, you know, government system you know not only is that true in the profit uh, situation but you know even when government is involved it should be on lower levels not the highest levels when you got the federal government involved it is a national catastrophe when it goes wrong uh, this is why the uh, idea of, of uh you know uh the states being laboratories of ideas why the 10th amendment of the constitution was so important uh to let innovation come from the bottom up uh you know wealth. From the market and from the states, and and uh, yeah, this this catastrophic. Uh, let's make the problem as huge as problem. I mean, as huge as possible by making it at the highest levels. I mean, it's it's this kind of common sense, but when you're talking about government that's often a, ha- a hard sell.
1: Yeah, um, although we can be thankful that we in the U.S. we do ha- still have many elements of a federal system. Uh, Europe yeah. has that to a lot le- lesser degree. And and their performance shows that they they don't yeah. get some of those innovative ideas. <clears throat> it also makes a good career path for the politicians themselves and help them to do a good job. You know, pretty much every governor in the United States is thinking about getting promoted, right? And they um, – it helps to keep them a little less corrupt and a little bit more focused on what the people like um, because – that maybe opens a path for them to be president someday like Clinton was or Reagan was and, and many others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, always love having Casey Mulligan on the program. He's with the university of Chicago. Uh, give the uh, website one more time for your book as we wrap it up. Yes. You're hired. Com. Casey, as always, thanks for being with us. Happy holidays. And we look forward to chatting next year. Happy holidays, Kevin. I'm given price. This is the price of business. Stay tuned for more.